Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti. I've got Kelly Mack Castles. He's uh, um, another one of my brother-in-laws, um, and uh, he's out in New Mexico. Kelly, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Dan. You're lousy with brother-in-laws. you got plenty of them. <laughs> I've got some great brother-in-laws. So yes, I, uh, you I not only I not only married well, uh, I married into an incredible family and uh, consider myself uh, blessed. Um, but uh, it is uh, it is just awesome. Uh, one of the things, uh, Kelly, and and the reason we're we're talking, um, I love about you is you have a, a heart's desire to train um, men and especially young men. Uh, for many years of your life, you uh, led Teen CBS, which you taught um, the Word of God um, just to you know young people, young guys especially, uh, and raised them up. You're right. You've raised up your own son. Now you've got some grandkids, and you're investing into them. Um, but the journey that you've had in life hasn't been easy, uh, and there was uh, just a, an event, an episode, some things that have happened in your life um, that you really had to kind of struggle through and press through. And I think a lot of a lot of guys uh, would find themselves in a similar situation, and uh, and I know you wanted to be able to share about this. So why don't you just kind of dive in and tell a little bit about the story and, and some of the things that you faced as a young person growing up? Yeah, I will. I'm, I'm glad to. I'm honored to get to tell the story about uh, what Jesus has done in my life. <laughs> I always get emotional talking about yeah. it. I wish yeah. I didn't, but I always do. Um, I was, you know, I was raised, we went to church. We, uh, we did all the right things, but I, you know, as a, as a boy, um, you say the right things, you know what you're supposed to say. You go to F, you go to FCA and you do those things. But I, I really, I really was sitting on the throne of my life. And mm. uh, even up to the point where I asked Lisa to, marry me and we were engaged um at uh, around that exact same time it was i think my next to last year in college my uh, folks had a uh their marriage imploded uh my dad had had an affair and uh with a with another uh in a small town there in herford texas and mm-hmm. and it destroyed our it destroyed our marriage uh, our family my my mother offered to forgive him and have him come back and he he didn't have any desire to come back. So I happened to be there during that particular exchange. And, and when I heard him, you know, talk that way to my mom and just really see somebody just devastate your mom, Mm. um, that way I hated him. I had a bitterness towards him, uh, that, uh, that I, I fed it. I, I trimmed it. I fertilized it. I watered it. I tended it. Well, I, I let that bitterness, you know, take over my, my heart really. Mm. And, uh, it was, uh, it was horrible really. And I, I knew better people around me as I grew into a man and we got married and I came out to Roswell and I was surrounded by very good people, very good men. Uh, people knew, and I got, uh, I, I was, you know, counseled all the time about the need, the need that they could see in my life for forgiveness. And, uh, but I refused. I, I, like I say, I was sitting on the throne of my life. I didn't want to give that, that up. I, I love, I liked, I loved to hate my dad. 
and I started having my own children. And, and he obviously, uh, he had remarried to an extremely wonderful lady. And he, I think, was changed to some extent and wanted to be a grandfather. And I did everything I could to keep him out of their lives. And I was, you know, I was harming my own family, harming my own kids because I wouldn't let go of that bitterness and that, mm. you know, really hatred that I had. And then I went on a walk to Emmaus. I don't know how many people have ever heard of a walk to Emmaus, but I, when I was there, I didn't want to go. I, I, I would never really admit to anybody that I needed to change, right? I didn't. You know, I think part of a, our American psyche growing up, at least when I was growing up and when you were growing up, it American man had to be able to say, I can do it. I can handle it. I will take care of it. I have got this. I, the last thing an American man was taught back when you and I were growing up was I need help and to ask for help and to admit help. You know, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was seen as such a weakness. And mm -hmm. so on this walk, I finally had, I, I avoided going so many different times. And when I finally went, it was under great protest. Cause I, I just didn't think I needed any change in my life. And the very first night the the guy that was leading that walk prayed a prayer and said, dear father, we're on our faces here tonight, praying for the men that's here, that's broken, that's contrite, that's here. And he's looking for uh, a way to you to grow into you. And, and I remember sitting there thinking, okay, that's, that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm here to help those guys. Uh, I'm here to help other suckers that hadn't figured this out. And, yeah. and but the, the next, the next prayer the next part of this fellow's prayer was, but Father, we 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 save our most fervent prayers for the man that's here tonight who doesn't think he needs a change, who doesn't oh. think he's growing you, who doesn't who doesn't want to be here. And yeah. it was like a, he was through a spiritual tomahawk across the room, hit me right in the forehead. And from that point on, the Lord had my attention. And oh. it was at that weekend that you know I didn't hear God say it verbally, but I knew He was saying it to me. You cannot call yourself my son and hate your own father. Just mm. doesn't work. And you, know, you still get chills. That was 1997 or 1998. And uh, I gave it up. I, I gave it up. I let it go. And uh, I was radically changed. Um, and when I came home, <laughs> my wife, Lisa, was almost a little bit frightened because I was so radically changed. I felt like I was walking three feet off the ground. Mm. And and I had some people that I'd known for, you know, at that point, I'd probably been in Roswell 15 years. People that I'd known said, I don't know what happened to you, but whatever it was, I want some of it. You know, and I wow. it was for the first time I was I was I was being a, a good witness for for God instead of a instead of a, a make-believer, you know, and uh, it, I felt like I was walking three feet off the ground for weeks and weeks. And uh, there were several phone calls to my family. My, my dad's mother, who, who was a very good grandmother to me, was one of the persons that, you know, that I called to ask her forgiveness. And, and because, um, you know, she never sufficiently hated my father and uh, he was her son. But I, I had I had not had a good relationship with her because of that it lasted about this was this went on about 15 years, Dan. I mean, I, I did this for a long time. Yeah. But the hardest one was my dad, you know, and yep. I tried it. It was back really before everybody had cell phones. Uh, you know, people met some people had one. My dad was a farmer. He didn't have one. And uh, anyway, I when I finally got a hold of him, by the time I finally got a hold of him, he knew I'd been trying to get a hold of him and as soon as um, he answered. 
I just started bawling, <laughs> bawling. <laughs> and I think the only thing I really got out was, um, Dad, I've hated your guts for 15 years, and I want you to know I'm sorry. And uh, I asked for his forgiveness, and he didn't know what I was talking about. He just, my dad and I were always very superficial, so he acted as if, you know, he had no idea what I was talking about. But uh, anyway, he definitely was not angry towards me. And and I hung up that phone and life, the Lord took my life and uh, it's never been the same. <laughs> you know, I mean, Kelly, it, it, think about this though, for, for just a, any person out there. It seems so counterintuitive what you're saying um, because you were the one who was hurt. You were the one, right. Who, you know, uh, abused, abandoned, right. I mean, just hurt by somebody else. And, and, for you to ask somebody for forgiveness just seems wrong for most people. It seems an injustice, right? Your dad should have been the one who was apologizing to you. And yet you're saying, you know, it, what he did was, was his issue. Right? And whether he apologized for it or not, that's right. Some people feel like when you right have that, that, you know, root of bitterness in you, right. And you let it grow and you let it fester. It's because of what the other person has done to you and, and you're justified to have it. And what you're saying is that that's wrong. Right. Yeah. That, you you got to account turned, for your own. Yeah. Jesus turns all that on its head. Right. I mean, that's not the way Jesus said it. You've got to, you know, you've got to forgive to be forgiven. I mean, in the Lord's prayer, we know that, you know, forgive me, Father, as I have forgiven those who sinned against me. Well, every time I said the Lord's prayer, I, I felt that prick <laughs> in the back of my spirit, you know, cause I said, yep. it. you know, heck, yeah. I could say it. I, man, yeah. I knew it. And I said it all over the place, but, but every time I said it, I knew that I, was you know I hadn't and you know Jesus doesn't give you a right we don't have any rights in Jesus yeah he he says to forgive as you've been forgiven and if you don't forgive then you hinder your own relationship with him and I feel like I feel like I had hung up this big heavy I I think of it in terms of the you know I, I don't know all the jargon the way that I should but the big heavy curtain that was between the most holy place and the holy place in the sure. temple of God yeah when Jesus died on that cross it yeah. ripped asunder yep. top to bottom and i felt like i feel like looking back that i had hung a curtain yeah and when when jesus ripped that curtain or when god ripped the curtain or whoever ripped that curtain he was saying i'm out of this box and i am in you and i had curtained the lord out of my heart and uh, and he and it really my life was you know gosh just oatmeal I mean, I'd gone to law school, I'd got married, I'd started having a family, but I, nothing I was doing was lasting, you know, yeah. I, nothing I was doing meant anything, nothing I was doing was going to stand the test of the fire that we're all going to face. And uh, as because I had done it, you know, I had it, it was my sin, unforgiveness, and hatred and bitterness. That was my sin. That wasn't my father's sin. Now, I tell you, I lived for 15 years thinking, yeah, I'm righteously indignant. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember having those thoughts. This is my right. And on that walk, I mean, God said, I mean, Jesus, who, who whichever was talking to me, oh, they're all the same. The Holy Spirit, I suppose, just made it clear. You don't have a right to yeah. hate. I don't give you that right. And uh, anyway, that was the life-changing experience that really led to everything else. Everything else good everything else in my life sprung from that moment and everything changed. Now yeah. I definitely not perfect. Long, long way, you know, <laughs> anybody long, long way from it, 
And I'm, but I used to not be a crybaby. Now I cry at the drop of a hat. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's good. You know, and um, you know, as, I, as you, as you talk, as you share, cause I know the story, right. I always think about, you know, Matthew 18, when we, when Jesus gives you that parable of the unforgiving, you know, servant. Uh, and it is, it's, it's a really perfect example, right. Of a, of a man who, um, you know, is forgiven a great debt um, and then has somebody who has something against him that's small and he won't forgive. And I think yeah. that's the thing that, you know, that we, we forget is that we've been forgiven a great debt, yeah. right? We look at the things that have been done to us, right? And, and the, you know, the things that your dad or people have done to me, right? They may be great tragedies, right? We know people who have been, you know, abused and abandoned, you know, all sorts of different things, right? But, but when Jesus places our sin in comparison to what somebody else has done to us, um, I think we, you know, we minimize our sin in light of what has happened to us. And I think that was, you know, the reality that you faced was you're hanging on to this, you know, unforgiveness and, and that's, that's sin, right? And you, you, you know, you mounted up and said, Hey, I've got to address that in, in my own life. And, and I can only ask for forgiveness for the things in my own life. I, I can't expect somebody else, you know, to do their work and ask for forgiveness. That's, that's between them and God. But what's between me and God is, you know, the things that I'm harboring in my own heart. And I think that's a great, you know, as we think about just kind of launching into 2023, um, a great time to kind of sit down and evaluate where you are in life. Um, and what what is it that your heart is harboring? Uh, what is it that you're anxious about? What is it that you have not let go of? You know, what mm -hmm. is it that you're holding on to? That's a great time. You know, you did a walk to Emmaus, uh, which is an awesome thing because you get away from all the distractions of yes. life and all the yeah. things, right? And, and sometimes you need that. Uh, yes. Sometimes you need a time just to, you know, put put down work, put down family, get away from everything so you can really focus on, um, you know, and let the Holy Spirit, as you said, do the hard work of bringing up those things that need to be addressed. Um, but yeah, as you said, for 15 years, right, you held on to this. And when you finally let it down, it was like, you know, releasing a weight in your life. You know, oh, you'll yeah, never be the same from that point on. So yeah, the, the burden he took, he took the yoke off my neck and and carried it for me. Yeah, but, replaced you know, it with it, his, which which is light and easy. <laughs> exactly. You um, know, when uh, if you think about it, I, my dad maybe wronged me, uh, you know, a year or two during all that, uh, and mm -hmm. then I wronged him for fifteen years. So whose sin was greater? And uh, I, I knew good and well that I, I, and I knew going in that I needed, I, you know, in the back of your heart, in the back of your mind, and that I knew that I was not in a good place. And yeah. I'm thankful for. Uh, very, very good men in my life that God put here that persisted after me and uh, would not let me go. They knew I was the wandering sheep. I was headed off to slaughter. They would not allow me to be slaughtered. And yeah. that's the kind of man you and me and we're all called to be. It's hard yeah. to do. These people that continuously pestered me, gave me books. Um, that's who we're called to be. They would yeah. not let me destroy myself uh, or leave myself uh, mortgaged to the enemy. You know, they 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 taught me into allowing the Lord to redeem my life back. And man, I'm so thankful to those guys. Yeah, that, and that's I mean that's something that we all need guys who speak that truth into our lives, whether we want to hear it or not. Um, but as you said, I mean, you have to be open to hearing it, right? Yeah. At, at some point, you know, you get you get the the chirping over here and the this over there. And you can, you can tune that out and you can say, you know, Hey, it's, it's not me. It's somebody else. It's somebody else's problem. You know, I'm justified. I'm right. I'm here. But you know, when you allow the Holy spirit to speak through his word and through 
right? You know, other brothers, you know, in Christ, um, he will bring to light some things in your life that need to be addressed. And, and you have to be willing to do the hard work to say, okay, you know, let, let's dig up this as, you know, scripture calls it a, a root of bitterness because mm. bitterness goes down deep inside and it, you know, it, it, it takes a hold and it, it won't let yeah. go. It doesn't just yeah. go away. You can't just, you know, time heals all wounds. It's like, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I love the way you put it. Yeah. The way you put it at the beginning is, is you fed it, right? Yeah. You, you fed it and, you know, not only just allowed it to fester, you actually actively, you know, kind of, you know, agitated it and made sure that it, it stayed a root of bitterness in your life. So um, I loved you know, it. I loved it more than I loved the Lord. And that, yeah. that's, that's where I was at. But, you know, yeah. the, you know, Jesus says, don't give the, the devil a foothold in your, in your heart. And that's exactly what I'd given him. And he'd taken it over. And, and you know, when yeah. you talked about the walk to Emmaus and getting away from everything, Proverbs says, draw near to the Lord and he'll draw near to you. When you've got nothing to do for four days, but your Bible, other men that are on the walk, other men that are that are that are giving you their testimonies, and and there's no phones, there's no watches, there's no TV, there's no radio, there's no newspapers. You know, got you can hear you can hear the knock. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was that was a turning point. I, I think that's that's one of the big things that we don't realize is how important silence and solitude are as spiritual mm -hmm. disciplines. Uh, we live in such an active world. Um, and we do such important things, right, that that to withdraw from those things, to take time to just address our spiritual health, seems like it's not important. But the reality is it's it's the most important work you can do. I mean, if you're if you're not having a time of silence and solitude actively scheduled in your life, you won't make time for it. You won't do this um, to just, you know, let yourself get alone with the Lord and let him speak to you. Um, that's why, you know, we, we talk about having a quiet time in the morning, right? I mean, spending time in God's word. That's why that's so important, right? When, when does God have an opportunity to speak to you that you're not distracted and thinking about everything else that's going on? And as you said, when, when do you actually do that for an extended period of time where God can kind of really dig down deep into uh, those heart issues? Um, you know, that, that's that's an important aspect. You know, that's why Jesus probably went off in a solitary place to pray. He knew. And and we we don't know. You're right. We do not know that. But we or if we knew it, we've forgotten it and we don't pursue it. But yeah, God will God will get to you. Uh, he, he he does not give up on us. So he I'm does not that he, he did not. He does yeah. not. Yeah. And Kelly, I mean, I, I just I appreciate you, you know, for sharing this. Um, I know there's some guys out there who are uh, in a similar situation. Right. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. Um, and they need to, um, you know, release that. Um, they need to ask for forgiveness. They need to allow God, right, to, you know, to cleanse them, right, of, of harboring onto that. But I think yeah. there's also some guys out there um, in a situation where they've hurt somebody. Um, and yes. They, they yeah. need to realize that and say, hey, here's some actions that I've taken, some you know, decisions that I've made that have hurt other people. Um, and I didn't even realize that. You know, I've, I've done some things and said some things in the past that I didn't even realize uh, had hurt other people. Um, and, you know, kind of going back through and just kind of taking an evaluation and saying, uh, how have my decisions affected other people? And, and where do I need to seek, you know, forgiveness and restoration? I think one of the greatest things when it talks about, you know, taking communion um, and, you know, the whole idea of, you know, if you've got, you know, if you're harboring bitterness, or you've got, you know, anger against a brother, put that down, go, go address that. Relationships are so important uh, for the kingdom. And I think that's a, a reminder to us that it's, you know, it's not just doing the duties, you know, of walking out the Christian faith, right? It really is building the relationships and allowing God to address things in your life. And I think that's such an important reminder to us. 
Yeah, and God tells us how many times does he tell us that a broken relationship that we have with somebody else can affect our relationship with him, whether with it's him. or our That's own right. wives. That's right. If you have a busted up relationship with your own wife, your prayers are hindered. Your I prayers mean, are hindered, yeah. He just tells us, and <laughs> right. we know, we know in our guts that yeah. it matters what our situation is. And of course, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I cannot be a good witness uh, of God's forgiveness. If I refuse to forgive, I mean, that's yeah. crazy. I yeah. could never have been used to do anything fruitful, living the lie that I lived. And I lit, I just flat out lived a lie for an awfully long time. And, and, uh, and the, the end of that was the beginning of everything else. And I was, yeah. I'm so thankful for it. I got to work on a lot of walk to a I don't know. I think I sponsored like nearly 20 different people on walks after that. And, wow. uh, and then it led to community Bible study, which was, you know, I would say uh, in my life, my my marriage was the first good thing, uh, the top good thing that's happened to me because it gave me my family. Then then community Bible study and walk to a master two and three. You know, mm. I, I went to school for a long time, became a lawyer, but I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a Christian. I am. a am a Christ follower. I just happened to be a stupid attorney for work. <laughs> Right. Paul was a tent maker, but he didn't yep. call himself a tent maker. He didn't call himself a tent maker. He called so himself often a lawyers come out. Yeah, yep. lawyers come out. That's the first thing they say, they think that they were born to be a lawyer, that that's what the end all be all. And, you know, it yeah. just happens to be my darn job. Yeah. Everything yeah, we're, else we're is so God. much more important. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Uh, well, Kelly, man, I'm, I'm glad we're starting off the year with uh, with your story um, and you being able to share this with us. So I appreciate uh, just the time and uh, and just your openness. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of guys are going to get a lot of good stuff out of this. Thank you. I hope so. I hope so. I pray it is. It sure was good for me. Thanks All for right. having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kelly. Love you. Love you too, bud. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.